Good evening, good evening, and welcome to Sweet Blessings, where we inspire, encourage, and empower you to live a healthier lifestyle. And so the purpose of this podcast is to think about self-care, about ordinary experiences that shed knowledge for all of us. I also offer guests and workshops who also are ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And so I want to welcome you this evening uh, to Sweet Blessings. I am going to talk a little bit. As you all know, I am a retired school teacher. I am an educational consultant. Um, I'm a uh, instructor, baker instructor, cake decorating instructor. I'm a health consultant, as well as a uh, jury ins- instructor. And I'm powered by the CTR Media Network. And so I'm coming to you this evening. I am going to talk a little bit about um, preparing yourself for the coming school year. And so I'm going to shed a little light on going back to the classroom, whereas some people might not be going back to the classroom. And so therefore, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about virtual as well. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a brief uh, commercial break. And, oh, but before I do that, let me um, go here and let you know that uh, Facebook, you can support me by sending stars. Stars help me earn money to uh, make more uh, content uh, as well. So I wanted to um, also uh, share that with you, as well as uh, this is my Facebook um channel here so uh if you want to um watch me sometime on facebook i do stream live on facebook as well also i am also on um youtube this is my youtube channel and i would be greatly appreciative if you would um subscribe to my youtube uh, channel Uh, Also, this is my email, and uh, if you have any questions, you can also contact me there if you're interested in becoming a sponsor or being a guest on my uh, uh, show. Uh, I offer several sponsors uh, uh, packages as as well as contributions, and this is my bit, so you can contact me either way uh, on my bit or as well as on my... um, uh, email as well. So we're going to take that brief uh, commercial and then we will be right back. Okay. CTR Media Network is now accepting new podcasters to join our growing network that's reaching 350 million global listeners. Have you heard? CTR Media Network offers podcast production, podcast training, distribution, and product placement. 
Book us for your next event or schedule an interview with CTR Media Network podcasters today. To learn more, go to ctrmedianetwork.com. Well, welcome. I'm back and glad to have you back. And I'm going to go over here to my uh, presentation slide, uh, preparing for a new school year. So I'm going to give you some tips and some strategies uh, uh, for that as, as well. Uh, some are going to be for teachers, some are going to be for administrators, and I'm even going to give some tips on preschoolers because it, there's just some different things um, uh, that you would also do with uh, preschoolers. So I am a preschool teacher, and uh, so therefore I taught uh, Head Start uh, for over ooh, 20 years, you know, more than 20 years, and also stay pre-kindergarten. So uh, my field was in early childhood, but I uh, covered a whole, comp uh, a whole, I guess you say, gamut of uh, skills and things like um, that with um, when I was teaching. So uh, we're going to start with... Um, I'm hoping that uh, these are some a collection of tips, advice, and resources that will help you with some of the challenges in the new year. So I didn't want to wait until uh, September. Most people have started school, are starting school in August, uh, whether it's college, high school, or you know, uh, grammar school. Some most people start. In, in August. So um, you can't just wait until, you know, the uh, last minute. And to me, this might be uh, uh, last minute. Okay, it's the start of a new school year. And it's a natural to feel a mixture of excitement and apprehensive, especially in the wake of the COVID-19 pan pandemic. So, um, I was fortunate because I did not teach during that time. I had retired uh, by the time the uh, pandemic uh, came. But I'm going to let you know that I, even though I was not teaching, I was affected by it because my granddaughter was uh, in school at that time. And so she was affected by it, uh, the, the COVID. And so in turn, it affected uh, the family as well. So whether this fall brings in-person or remote learning or something in between, planning early can help set the tone for the rest of the year. So um, the first thing you want to do is to ensure that you and your students are safe, okay? And so uh, these are some of the tips that I am going to show you that uh, kind of will help you along that, that way, tips and, and, and strategies. So the first thing you want to do is you want to plan ahead. You don't want to wait to the last minute to uh, do your planning, okay? And it doesn't matter. Sometimes you don't even know. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna tell you because I, I'm, I'm speaking from experience. Sometimes you go to the school. You don't even know what classroom you're going to have. Whether it's going to be uh, first grade, second grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. You don't know that. But there are a few things that you can do um, 
to plan ahead for that day. So, uh, and, and don't forget, even though you might have anxiety, don't forget that the students might have anxiety too. And that first day is full of emotions. Uh, so from happy to excited, to worried, to scared. So plan to get to know your students first. That's the first thing I think that everyone needs to do. So find some fun games or some icebreakers to kick off the day. And I want to tell you that even though I am giving these uh, uh, tips and strategies, you can use some of these for all grades, all ages. And then there are some that are just specific to certain uh, age groups. So <clears throat> think about it because... You know, there was a time when we did start school with remote learning, and there's a possibility that that might happen again. So we're going to talk, I'm going to talk a little bit about virtual gatherings. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, it really is an excellent way to get to know your students, that virtual learning is. Um I know that sometimes you want to um, meet them in person, um, but when you do it virtually, you can just meet with a handful of students at a time. You can get to know them just a little bit better as opposed to having the whole uh, classroom uh, there. And it gives you that time to, um, to kind of get to know each other, to know your feelings, and to really build uh, a level of trust and respect. That's what I think is the most important thing about planning ahead. Then once you plan ahead, you got to get organized now. <laughs> Don't forget now, it is school. So you know that there's going to be forms, there's going to be student work, permission slips, and more. No one solution will fit your organizational style. But finding out what works best for you now could help save time later down the road. Maybe your secret to success is labeling binders with dividers inside or filling a, a filing system that's not your backpack. So I don't know. I think that the first thing I did, and I'm going to talk about this um, a little bit. I don't want to talk about it now. Uh, but you want to get your, let's talk about, we want to get our classroom together. So we want it to be, now there are some places where you can go and it helps you uh, get in your uh, uh, class together. It helps you to identify your ideal system to get your classroom clutter free. Okay, there are some things. So one of those places is the National Education Association. They also, they have uh, a quiz that you can take, but you can also go to um, the uh, NACI, which is the National Association for the Education of Young Children. They also have uh, uh, some materials and things that you can utilize uh, to help you see and help you get organized. So you want to, if you're going into the classroom, you want to make sure that you paint your walls. Okay, you know you got to have permission, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, you want to spruce up your bulletin boards. Uh, 
by uh, upcycling old brightly colored t-shirts as the bo uh, board's background. Just stretch out the shirts and glue or pin them to the board. Now you can find, like I said, you can find more of these um, ideas on those two uh, resources that I gave you, the National Association for the Education of Young Children, as well as the National Education Association. And so after that, um, after you design your classroom, okay, kind of got a little ahead of myself, but then you want to establish a classroom culture. So you want to update or create your list of classroom rules. Then discuss them with your children and get their buy-in. Establishing classroom rules or routine is also a must-do. Though these should be posted somewhere in the room, and you can use anchor charts or visual schedules to reinforce the information. So, this here in this situation, um, they're saying that you make the rules. I did mine just a teeny bit differently, and Believe it or not, it was a system that I used and I utilized it the whole time that I was teaching. It worked for me. It might not work for others, but it worked for me. I did not make up the classroom rules. I had the children make up the rules. And so I found that when I was teaching that uh, even the little ones, the three and four-year-olds, they are able to, you know, tell the difference. I can't say the word right now, but tell the difference between good and bad and what they should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing. So my first day of school, and people will always uh, be wondering how I get my class to be so quiet and um, you could hear a pen drop. I could be absent <laughs> and my class would still be good. I didn't do anything to them. I just let them make up their rules. And so at the beginning of the year, the very first day, we talk a little bit, but then I said, well, you know, we got to make up some rules. So everybody in the classroom is going to give a rule. And I would write those rules on the board. Everybody contributed, okay? And what I would suggest to them is try not to repeat it, the rule, but you know they did. And so after everyone gave a rule, including myself, I gave a rule too, okay? And uh, after all the rules were completed, then we looked at them and I said, well, are there some rules that we can combine? And they would say, yes, we can combine such and such. And the little ones can do this as well. They would say, yes, we can combine this one and we can combine that one. And so we would bottle the rules all the way down till we had about maybe, you know, I would say six to 10 rules, okay? And then I would sit back and I say, well, you all have come up with your rules now. If we break the rules, what should we do? What should be done? 
So I found that when you let them give, their, they're harder on themselves than you will ever be. But if you let them come up with their own rules and their own punishment, <laughs> you won't have any problem all year long. The children will help you. They'll say, uh-uh. Oh, that's one of our rules. You broke a rule. And I mean, there's different ways that you could have reinforced it because I was an early childhood teacher. So I did use the traffic light, uh, red, you know, stop meant red. And I used clothes pants, you know, things that the children could, uh, I guess, could relate to. I also used um, <laughs> uh, the other thing. Um, the tra I used the traffic light. And I used McDonald's, okay, McDonald's um, French fry cups, okay, the large ones. And each person, I had a bulletin board like this. Each person had a cup with their name on it, and they received three clothespins. Now, at the, I would reward mine for good behavior. And at the end of the um, week, if they had one clothespin, they were able to contribute or have a fun day. But if all their things were in the pocket, in the cup, then they were not able to have a fun day. And so we kind of worked it out among the teachers where they had to go into another room for that while the other kids had fun day. So when you set it up like that, I just, I'm going to tell you, I just never really, and that is really basically establishing a classroom culture. Uh, the norms and the routines can translate into a virtual space too. You can establish norms for your breakout room. And if you can't say hello to the students in a physical classroom, ask students to put a greeting in the chat. You want them to put a greeting in the chat. So, now remember what I told you. You can check out some more ways to build routines in a virtual space at that uh, NEA.org. Uh, that's the National um, Education Association dot or or you can use the uh, NACI, which is the National Education Association. They they have all of these things um, um, for you to to utilize to help you in your teaching. And this is early childhood, but you can carry these over because I've taught all the grades, and I don't care what grade it is. There's going to be some type of grouping. Uh, there might be more grouping in the lower grades than it is in the upper grades, but there is some type of uh, uh, grouping. Now, the next thing is you want to create a safe learning space. No matter what schools looks like when we reopen, social emotional learning, not academics, should be the focus for the first 30, 30 days of school. I agree with that. I agree with that. 
Social emotional learning. They need that. That's the only way they're gonna feel comfortable. If they and learn, they've got to feel comfortable. They've got to feel that they belong there. They got to feel that they're social, that they're part of that community. And once they feel that the learning will just just pop, they'll be eager to learn because they know that they have a good place there uh, to learn. Now, uh, this is an example of a, a middle school history and social science teacher in Hawaii. Um, he says that mean uh, learning students name a preferred name or pronouns. This is something that he does in those first uh, 30 days he, to get to know his students. It means acknowledging students, ensuring that they're being heard, being because being invisible or ignoring is one of those emotional triggers that impacts students' learning. So one teacher to learn more about his students, he asked them to write an I am poem or draw a favorite object or something that represents them. We try to make close connections with the kids so they know they have at least one caring adult in the school. And I think that's so important as well. And then there, there's some other resources to find out more. You can check out the Welcome, Welcoming School programs. And this was created by the Human Rights Campaign Foundation uh, to promote inclusive schools. Uh, climates, and you can find that at welcomeschools.org. Uh, now, you also want to keep your classroom clean. Now, you know, because we don't want to spread any germs. So you want to familiarize yourself with the school's health and safety procedures, as well as the guidance for the Center for Disease Control and Prevention on how to maintain a healthy classroom environment. So you know that is one of the key, key, key areas, okay, that uh, maintaining the, the classroom. So if your school is requiring uh, social distancing, you want to remove extra furniture to allow for more space between the desks, create a seating chart and maintain the assigned seats, you want to minimize the movement and add floor tape, signs, or other visual clues to help students distance while in the classroom. And be sure to identify frequently touched or shared objects in the classroom, such as books, technology, and supplies, and increase cleaning and disinfectant between each use. You can also find more information on um, keeping your classroom clean at that uh, nea.org or NACE, N-E-A-Y-C-E, <laughs> uh, .org. Both of those are very reliable and they give you good things to uh, utilize in your classroom. It does not matter whether it's early childhood or whether it is um, elementary or high school, you can use these things. Now, before 
we didn't have to address the pandemic trauma, but now we do. It the, the pandemic, what it really did was that it brought national attention to the inequities that hinder students' learning. But these problems are not new to educators. I just want to let you know. It's no secret that students struggle to learn when their families are homeless or in an economical crisis. If you see students floundering as a result of anxiety, depression, trauma, or fear, there are ways you can help support them. There are ways. Some first steps include providing reassurance and validating students' negative feelings. You can help them regulate their responses to those feelings through breathing and meditation activities or by practicing mindful listening. Now, these are techniques that I have encouraged adults to do. But as you can see, you can also encourage children. They should be meditating and because uh, it calms you down. It really calms you down. And there's so much going on in the world that we need to teach our children how to calm down so we don't have anger and all that rage going on. And it is so important that students be able to socialize. And so to me, that pandemic took that away because it was so much separation. Pre-pandemic, I was structured. She, this is a teacher saying she was structured, the librarian. She was structured every minute of the librarian experience trying to keep order. Post-pandemic, I plan, she allows them time to interact and gives, our, gives the students a safe place to themselves and let them know that they're special, unique, and fabulous the way they are. So I think that the pandemic made teachers more aware uh, when they do go to those special classes like gym and library and uh, those type of things that it's important that they be able to socialize because to me, COVID took away most of the socialization um, as well. So we're going to um, take another brief commercial and we are going to come back and I am going to um, talk a little bit about self-care because all of these things are, oh, I'm sorry, all of these things relate to self-care. All right, here we go. Go.
It's my little bitty commercial I made. All righty, we're going to move on here to, uh, we're still on tips and strategies, but we're going to talk a little bit more about practicing self-care because it's important that uh, you practice uh, self-care. But let me explain this to you. Now, as an educator, we are expected to help students through their trauma. Okay. But if you're not good yourself, you are no good for the, for the students. How can you help the students with trauma if you can't handle it yourself. So not only do you have to teach the children to practice self-care, but you have to practice self-care yourself. And that was something that um, I guess most parents or most mothers put their children ahead of themselves and they sometimes that self-care kind of gets pushed to the back burner. But we cannot do that. We cannot let that happen. You have got to concentrate on self-care. Plus, you have to teach the children about self-care. Administrators can establish practices that support the well-being of educators, too. <sighs> what do you do if you're in a toxic environment, you can't self-care yourself away from that. And we can't keep layering on, we can't keep layering things on teachers. Okay. Because I've seen many teachers being toxic environment. It is very hard being a teacher. Most people don't realize it. They're very underpaid, but it's very hard because you're dealing with administration, you're dealing with parents, you're dealing with the uh, 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 the, the the kids and all of that. And plus, you're trying to teach them uh, about life as well as educate them. Um, <laughs> oh Lord! So the well-being is very important. That's all I got to say. The well-being, your self-care, is very important. And professional development is important. I don't care. Professional development is important in anything that you do. Whether you're in sales, anything, you need that personal development. Uh, it's very important. It keeps you uh, 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 well diverse, well um, inclusive of what's going on in the world. And You want to think about shared decision-making as opposed to one person making the, all the decisions. It should be shared. All right. The next one is know your rights. You need to know your rights. It might sound crazy, but in any type of job, 
you need to know your rights, okay? You can get lost. As a school employee and union member, are you allowed to team up with other educators to negotiate your salary and benefits? This is a process called collective bargaining. How should you report a problem with a school administrator? What do you need to do if you require medical accommodations due to COVID-19 or other health issues? And I'm gonna tell you the laws vary from state to state. But those two organizations that I told you about, <laughs> They kind of uh, plug in. They really is just a network of knowledge of people. People who have probably gone through the same thing that you have gone through. And as you make your way through the first few weeks of the school year, get to know things about your local and state associations as well as your administrators. You want to get to know them. Find out who is in running the building. Who is the local president of the school council or whoever, you need to know all of these things, okay? And then that, that organization also will let you know um, some things about how you can learn more about your rights and everything because we we all have we all have rights and we should all uh, be aware of those rights. The next thing is to get professional training. Lord Jesus, did your career goal take a backseat during the pandemic? You're not alone. It's a new school year, and things are looking up. So now is the time to jumpstart your professional growth. Whether you're a first-year educator or a 30-year veteran, training can help you improve your practice and strengthen your leadership skills. Take the first step by checking out what these different organizations, you don't have to use this, there are other organizations, but these are, I'm telling you, these are two uh, kind of like reliable uh, organizations. Um, look and see what they're offering. Now, uh, both of these programs offer a training environment as well as they both offer national accreditation. Uh, and you can go to these programs. I don't want to get in because that's a whole totally different uh, spectrum, and I just don't want to get into too much of that uh, as well. But they both offer training. Um, and then um, the NEA, the National Education Association, they also have a, uh, a School Me podcast, okay, where seasoned educators share their expertise on topics such as uh, restorative justice, students with disabilities, and career tips for educational support for uh, professionals. So um, 
just that you know the the next thing is incorporate rest and relaxation <laughs> let's face it educators struggle when it comes to self-care i just told you i that was something that i struggle with i always put other people before me i put my students before me my 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 child before me i i, I was guilty of that as you plan for a successful school year make sure to schedule some you time. Go on a good Netflix band or read your favorite book. Exercise consistently to have an outlet and release some of those uh, endorphins, whether it's a long walk or bicycling or whether your heart, just do whatever your heart desires. And then I want to say advocate for your colleagues and students. We have got to start advocating for our students and our colleagues. We just cannot, cannot just sit by and not do anything. So I am part of um, NACI, which is the National Association. I'm part of both of those two organizations, but I do a lot of uh, work in the National Association for the Education of Young Children. I am an advocate for that. I believe in early childhood education. I have served as the president of the South Suburban AEYEC, and I have also been a delegate to the Illinois AEYC, which is the state part of the organization. And I'm also a member of the National Association. Uh, I have helped sites become accredited. I have gone in accredited sites. Um, and I have also, what I do now is I mentor daycares to get their national accreditation. Uh, and it's a process. It's a process. It does, it does not happen overnight. Um, but it helps come build that camaraderie because it teaches them to do shared decision-making. It teaches them that everybody is the same. So the staff is not, this person is better than that person. It teaches them that everybody in that daycare has a part in your child's learning. And that's important. It doesn't matter. And you can say, oh, no, no, but it does. It does. I have been to schools where the cafeteria can tell you exactly what's going on in that school. And don't think that those people who work in the cafeteria are less than you. They teach more, they teach more math than you will ever know. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> because they're always measuring. They're counting out stuff to the kids. <laughs> okay they're doing subconsciously they're really really are teaching those children so it be an advocate for your colleagues and students that is so important you can add your voice and be part of this important process invite others in your school to join you union representatives at the local state and national level work tirelessly to support legislation that improves public education and defeats policies 
that harm our children. So I am still, even though I'm retired, I am still working <laughs> on being an advocate. I am on the public policy committee for the Illinois AEYC because I believe in early childhood education. We must learn to start at an early, early age. Um, I, 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 I just believe that you need to start doing it once you know you've conceived. That's basically. You might not think so, but that's, that's my belief because I know the first thing that develops in a baby is their hearing so they can hear you. And don't think that they're, they're, they're not listening because they are. Research has shown that when they come out, they know your voice, they know you, they know everything that there is to know. So we're going to take another brief commercial right now, and I'll be right back. I am going to um, talk to you a little bit about preschoolers because they are very unique individuals. So we'll be right back. Hold on. Oh, my goodness. The mailman came. I hope my sweet little thing cook is in here. I, I just hope it's in here. Let me see. Let me open this up. That's it. That's it. Sweet little thing cookie. That sweet little thing cookie. Oh, I'm going to have me a ball now. Let me just get this right here. Let's thing cookie. That sweet little thing cookie. Oh, yeah. I finally got my cookies. This sweet little thing cookies. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have fun. This pack is kind of big, though. Man, it got a lot of cookies. Oh, yeah. This is the best, best thing ever. I'm trying to tell you. I got my, my, my cookies, and I'm going to eat these cookies, and ain't nobody going to stop me. All righty, we are back, 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 back. All right, how to prepare your child for, for preschool. Now, these are just some tips, and really and truly, these are just some things. You can play with them with this. You'll have them so involved that by the time they get to, to, to go to preschool, they'll be telling you back, okay? So most of the time, it's the separation from the parent. The parent is the one. It's not the child. Okay, but how to prepare um, your child for preschool? These are, these are just some playful things that you can that you can do. You can visit, visit together. Take your child there, visit. You know, because I'm gonna tell you, preschool is really a milestone. It's a big step, not just for your child, but for you too. Learning to spend time apart can be a difficult transition. What is just what I just said. But be beginning the formal learning journey is exciting, too. So I'm going to give you these, these tips. The first one is visit together. So if you're able, plan to go to your child's new school together before the first day. Don't wait till the first day. Play on the playground together. Explore the uh, classroom. This way, when they start on the school day, school will be a familiar place for them. Okay, then you won't get all of that hollering because you all have been out there playing and kicking it. <laughs> For real. You want to make new friends. If possible, arrange a play date with children from your child's class. This will allow them to get to know each other 
before the school starts, okay? The third thing is to play school together at home. So this is called role playing or use pretend play to help your child get used to the idea of preschool. You're going to take turns acting out different routines like story time, singing, uh, and nap time. You can also switch up the roles and let your child be the teacher. This will help your child think of school as a fun place and it really will reduce the anxiety on day one. You wanna turn getting ready game skills into a game. So you wanna practice fastening your buttons and zippers and putting on a backpack and hanging the coat or jacking on a hook. You should take turns putting on shoes into a game and see how fast you can do it. So you wanna take turns with that, okay? Then you wanna share your experiences. Tell your little one stories about when you first went to school, how you felt and special memories that you made. If you can find preschool photographs of yourself or other trusted adults, your child knows and talk about them together. And so you want to create uh, a new routine. Okay. You want to make sure you create a routine for your kids if possible. So, and by routine, I mean the time that they go to bed, the time that they wake up, uh, what time they're going to have breakfast. Um, and you want to do it so neither one of you are rushing, okay? And I know that's very difficult because I found that when I was uh, had my child, I was rushing. I, you know, I, I'm telling you these things, but some of these things, I, I was at fault. I did these. This will give both of you time to adjust. If you're able, you can even... <laughs> You can even start a new tradition of picking out clothes together the night before school and eating breakfast together in the morning. So that means you have to get up, you know, in enough time so that you can, you know, do all of those things. And most important, you want to listen to your child. Ask your little one about their feelings, about going to school, and reassure them that it's that it's normal to feel excited, worried, or have any type of emotions. Start something new. Starting something new can be scary. And B, it can also be lots of fun. How many times have you started something new and been afraid? How many times have you done that? Uh, there's a fear there. You get that anxiety there as well. So reassure your child that you will be there to pick them up at the end of the day and talk about what those routines would look like too. And oh my God, you need the last one. Have a goodbye plan. Say goodbye. Saying goodbye can be difficult for, for both of you and your child. When that time comes, try to keep your parting quick 
and positive. Reassure your child that you will see each other again soon. You can even have a special routine that would help that will help comfort your child, sing a song together, or do a special handshake. So you do need that goodbye. So I'm hoping that this evening that I was able to inspire you. I'm hoping that I was able to encourage you. And I'm hoping, thank you, Dr. Tina. Um, I'm hoping that I have empowered you. <coughs> Excuse my mouth. To, <coughs> to live a healthier lifestyle. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> so before I go, I am going to leave you with my three L's because to me, my three L's embodies self-care. And so my first one is to is to live. Live. You want to live your life. Life is short, so you want to live your life. You want to have fun. Life has a purpose, and you have a purpose in this life. And so you must uh, be happy in order to succeed uh, in, this, in this life. And then the second thing uh, is to laugh. I want you to laugh. You know, make sure you laugh. Laughter is good for the soul. It helps you. It relieves some of that, that stress. And so uh, as we grow older and we become adults, we do have more stress <laughs> in our life. And so we need to know how to, the stress is not going to go away. So we get to know how to get rid of it, you know, or to meditate and do things to uh, help us out in that situation. And then the last thing, uh, is to love. Make sure you love. Love is important. Um, try to love everybody. The Bible says you should love everybody, but my grandmother always told me, baby, there are some people out here who are very difficult, but you want to love them as well, but make sure you love them with a long wooden spoon. So keep that in mind when you see that person that irritates you you know you still love them as well. They they probably need your love. And then uh, the most important thing, though, is to love yourself, self-care. Self-care is very, very important. And so with that being said, I am going to close out. I'll be here next Wednesday. One Wednesday out of the month, I do come late um, because I have conflict in, in scheduling. But normally I'm here at 7.30 every Wednesday. So with that being said, we are going to leave out of here this evening. And I truly, truly hope that you have uh, enjoyed sweet blessings, preparing yourself for the new school year. Have a great one. Bye-bye.